0: You are now listening to the Curtis King podcast. What's going on, music producers, and welcome to a new episode of the Curtis King podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is a podcast specifically for music producers, thinkers and creatives alike. We like to put an extra emphasis here on mental health. And so the topics are very wide ranging. And if it is your first time listening, I think you're going to enjoy this episode, like I say every episode. But before you get started, do us a favor and help us in these iTunes or wherever you're listening to Spotify podcast charts and give us a five star rating, especially if you enjoy the topic at hand. If there was something that motivated you or inspired you, this is a great time and a great way to show your appreciation by giving us a five star rating. Now there is a video form of this here on my YouTube channel, Curtis King TV, that you can also check out. There's also a really supportive and a positive hip hop community, and I shouldn't just say hip hop community, but a wide ranging music production, musician, creative community that I think that you'll love. Just come over here to Curtis King TV, and you'll be able to check it out. It's not really hard. Just put in Curtis King podcasts and like, subscribe, comment, do all that stuff we do on YouTube. Now today we have. A few different topics, I believe, that I'm going to touch on, but the first of which, I didn't want to dedicate an entire episode to this. Uh, And how can I get started without saying, first of all, thank you and shout out to our sponsor, Vocalia Doubler, which allows you to turn your voice into a MIDI signal. Um, We'll do a little bit more of that in the commercial break halfway through. But. I must speak about the events of this last week, I don't want to stretch it out too long, because obviously you guys get the point. Uh, And this is something that should definitely be celebrated amongst the producer community, that one of your own was given the opportunity to be heard. One of your own that has been an advocate for the music producer community for years now was heard by not just this massively successful company in Spectrasonics, but with one of the most legendary sound designers of all time, and Eric Persing, being there for the actual interview this last week due to the video that I did a few days prior to it, which if you're not understanding what's going on, if you need a little bit of an update, I made a video that highlighted some terms after rereading through my license agreement for Omnisphere Uh, And just in Spectrosonics in general, um, there were some things within that license agreement that were a little bit of a gray area, a little bit of confusion. Uh, And we came to learn after we had an interview with Eric that a lot of those terms applied to a different time period in music, a different time period in software development, and were put in place not to limit the music producer but to protect their property and their, you know, the digital property from other DAWs and other software developers who were basically swiping their sounds and selling them off as their own. So rewinding just a little bit, I made a video that, you know, it wasn't anywhere near, (laughs) you know, uh, a. uh, trying to be malicious. It was really just me posing a question. Look, I, I really want to know, what does this mean? And am I protected? And will this be something that comes up in the future if I use a rather obvious sample or one shot from Omnisphere? Because the original terms you know, sounded pretty clear in terms of what they limited but They weren't necessarily related to how those terms are used now. For example, when you said beats in the 90s, it didn't mean the same thing in every circle that it means pretty much in the majority of circles now. And you say, hey, fam, you got any beats? In the 90s, especially, I guess, in the software and uh, the sound design circles, that meant the actual drums within an instrumental. Not the entire instrumental as it means today, because even rappers use the same terminology when they're talking to producers. And so a lot of stuff was put in place and producers don't generally do what I did in terms of reading the terms. But I happen to read them and I say, you know what? I'm seeing a lot of packs that I'm getting off of splice and that I'm getting off of all these different producers and websites that are obviously using because I'm, I'm always in that plug in, obviously using these sounds. I need to know that these are protected, not just for sample packs, but also for putting my beats up for streaming. Do I owe any royalties? And so the beautiful part about that conversation is that Eric was very transparent, very clear. And. um, Due to that video and due to your overwhelming response to that video, because I believe that if you know, if, if, if it didn't. Make some waves within the community. Who knows if it would have got on their radar, but it did, and since then we had the conversation. We've had uh, I've had further conversation with representatives from Spectrasonics, and uh, it, it may be also opportunity for the future to further build with the company. But I don't make these videos with my fingers together, like, like uh, Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. I don't, that's not what my mind is at. My mind is put the information out and let's get back to regular schedule program, right? Allow these things to allow the content to get where it needs to get. I don't control people. I can't control who, what they decide to share. Let it be out there. And if the opportunity presents itself, To update and or correct the situation or help correct the situation, by all means, we'll do that. It's like I gave you updates on how they actually change the license agreement and software agreement terms. That's nuts. Hearing that during the interview, hearing him say, Eric say that this is the founder of uh, Spectrosonic say it was your video that sparked the conversation that inevitably sparked a change within the language and the terms of of the actual agreement. um, That's huge. That's huge. That's huge for us. Right. I, I don't get too high on the highs or too low on the lows. I, I just focus in on the work that needs to be done. And then I move to the next task at hand. Right. Not that I'm not appreciating it. I'm very much appreciating it. I'm humbled by it. But at the same time, I know that there are producers who are outside this entire loop who, you know, could care less. <laughs> and I still got some value that I want to give to them. But that being said, I just had to take a second just to say one more thank you to Spectrasonics, One more thank you to Eric. Uh, welcome to all of you that are here now because of this entire few videos that, you know, reached a lot of people. I welcome you. I hope you enjoy and you kind of hang out for a little bit longer and see what this other content is all about. Uh, but Getting to the topic at hand, I want to break this podcast into two different parts. And I want to start first with expectations that a producer should have with content. And I feel like it slightly relates to what just happened right now. I see a lot of folks specifically within this community that are starting to really push their foot on the gas for content, live streaming, you know, shout out to T sketch was good. Sis shout out to HGC was good, bro. Uh, they have been consistently streaming. Nothing makes me happier than to see not just them streaming, but to see them like it's their show. This is your TV show. If you recall two years ago, You remember me saying, I said, if you do not show your face, be prepared to be forgotten. And it is more evident than ever the necessity for you to start pumping out some kind of content. You don't have to pump out Curtis King type content. You ain't got to be inspirational or whatever you, you, you deem this as. You don't have to do that. But you have to produce something that presents value outside of your music. You've heard this a million times, especially now. But one thing that as I'm seeing my friends build their channels, the YouTube channel specifically, their Twitch channels, um, it's crazy because I text the homie DCAP and I, I said, look at you, bro. You a full blown content creator. Like, I remember when you invited me to the studio and we met for the first time and you were asking me sort of the lay of the land of what it looks like for content. And I I went spewing off for the the next hour and a half, even though I came there with intentions to make music with my mans. Still ain't did that yet. But when I came there with intentions to make music with my boy, um, we ended up exchanging information. He gave me some sound design direction. Uh, That's when I learned some things about Harmer that I didn't know. And then also on the flip side, I gave him as much information that I could give him in that time period about what to expect from content creation. Now, Everybody doesn't have the luxury to come into to content. Cause even he had to work, he had to work to, to get the content to where it's at. And then also to get his audience to jump on board for this other side of DCAP. But everybody doesn't have the luxury to come right into the game and say, I'm going to start doing content, and my name is DCAP. So that being said, I want to give you a bit of a guide of realistic expectations in the beginning, right? Because I think that when you get into content creation, it instantly starts to put you in the, you're on the front of the stage of a play, the front of the stage where everybody's seeing, seeing you, either clapping, they're watching you, right? You're on the front stage. And then there's a backstage where everybody who's operating the lighting, everybody who's operating the wardrobe, That is also part of what you have to do in content creation. Right now, as I'm shooting this podcast, I'm looking at my histogram on my camera to make sure that I'm not underexposed and then also make sure that the battery doesn't go dead and that the audio is being picked up, while also thinking about Adobe Audition, which I'm using for the recording, making sure that there's no background noise. So that's one aspect of it is finding a balance between what happens backstage and what happens on stage and i think that a lot of folks initially that is the biggest frustration is trying to get technology to play nice with you but one thing you got to understand that i didn't understand in the beginning is that this is also part of the growth process as you are learning how to become more comfortable cooking up in front of people maybe you're doing a live stream as you're learning to talk on the camera and you're hearing your voice and you hate the way your voice sounds for the first time, as you're trying to find a balance between your, your YouTube voice and your regular voice, or your regular voice, whatever it is, it's a growth process that you cannot fast forward through and you don't want to fast forward through. So expect technology to fail you. <laughs> Expect your computer to do things that you have never seen it do because you're now asking it to do things that it's never done. That's part of the content process. Expect your iPhone or whatever you're recording on, because my first 200 videos on this channel. Before I became an official YouTuber, there's like 100 videos that I that I recorded and edited of me asking people why I deserve to be on this hip hop festival that I actually got on, uh, called it Pay Dues. And that was shot on a flip camera. Remember those old flip cameras? They're like only up to 720p. And all they did was record video. But you could like take the, there's like a USB port that was attached to it. And then you put it in the computer. And then like you had a whole ass camera just dangling off the side of your computer. The first hundred something videos were shot on that. But I had to go through the headache of the technology limitations of some of the angles where I just looked crazy because of the technology wasn't quite made for hitting certain angles. Right, you start looking like a 3D image um, <laughs> on PlayStation One, right? Where you start seeing like the 3D indents on the person's head. That's what I started looking like on on the flip cam. But then eventually, I went from the flip cam to my iPhone 6. iPhone 6, definitely. And the first 200 videos that I shot on this channel. Curspirations. Were they Curspirations at the time? No, no. They were Artist Marketing 911 and Music Producer Motivation 911. The first 200 videos were shot on a freaking iPhone. Not only were they shot on a freaking iPhone and not with the luxury of this beautiful Newman mic. Shout out to Germany for this one. Um, they were shot on the iPhone and, and it took me about a hundred something videos before I eventually said, okay, I'm starting to get the hang of this iPhone situation. I think now what I need to do is get a microphone because my sound is, is terrible, right? It's not terrible, but it's not, I know that I'm at a place now where I'm ready for the next level kind of goes back to the last podcast conversation. And so I got a Rode microphone and instantly the audio just boosted from there out of my little, my little um <laughs> clip on microphone, uh, my little lavalier clip on microphone. I'll never forget it. And it was hooked up to my iPhone and I was getting these videos off. And what I learned in the beginning is that when you're making content, you're not generally making content. I mean, I guess we feel like we are for the person that is currently watching. You are making content also for them, but more so for the people that are going to come back and be in awe at how far you've come. Repeat it. When you are developing your first initial content, you're getting your baby steps in. You're not making content just for the people that are currently watching. Because truth be told, you probably don't have a lot of people watching in the very beginning. You're not making content for them. You're making content for the people in the future who will later catch on, who will later join this train, join this campaign, and say, damn, you're authentic. Like, you really put the work in. And this is gold right here. I had to go back because of how impactful your newer videos are and how polished you are. And it's inspiring me to get into content creation because I see how far you've came. You're not making videos just for the one or two or three people that are watching. You're making videos for the future people that are going to come back to it. So don't feel any pressure to have to have a certain amount of numbers. Don't feel any pressure if you're doing a live stream and it's two people in there. Don't feel any pressure if you feel like you've put in a bunch of content and it hasn't really moved the needle too much. Because I'll tell you from my own experience, when I first started, I was going crazy in terms of how much I was uploading. I had no strategy. My strategy was I have a bunch of my mind. I have a camera. I have editing software and I want to get it uploaded. And this, for some reason, just feels natural. It feels right. And when I first did it, I had many of my peers who knew me as Curtis King, the rapper, Curtis King, the producer that were like. Why are you YouTubing? Like for for many people at that time, if you became a content creator, they didn't look at you as an influencer. They looked at you as, oh, you must be falling off and you need another gig. (laughs) You must need some money. That's the way they used to look at it, which is actually laughable now. Because we know in this brand new world that we are living in, this post-pandemic world that we're living in, um, content is king. And the folks who generated content and had the blessing to generate income with that content, they did okay. They survived. Some of them even thrived through one of the most difficult times probably in, in, in our memory. 2020. But that's my point is that you are not, you must start from where you're at. Don't put too much emphasis on what someone else is doing. I saw a meme on one of these inspirational pages on IG that said the only competition is staring at you in the mirror. And it's true. When I was putting up my first 200 videos, on average, I might get 200 to 300 views. Right? And at the time, I didn't know a damn thing about SEO. Um, I didn't know a damn thing It wasn't until after the 200 videos that I realized, and this is part of the reason why I continue to stick with YouTube, um, you know, be it for all the history that I've had with YouTube and all the issues that I've had, um, this is one really good thing is that as you go along in the process, get the content done first. Get it out. If you sit on it, if you sit on too much content, you're gonna be uh, moving an inch at a time, and you're not going to see what's actually going to resonate with your audience. You gotta, you have to throw all that content out, and then what you do is after you get to a certain threshold, let's say it is 150 videos or 200 videos, then I would suggest you doing a YouTube course. I took one called VideoTrafficAcademy.com. They are not an affiliate or a sponsor. This is just Really great information. I'm not even sure if they still do the course, um, but at that, that was all I needed. Because at the time, even after 200 videos, I was only making about $14 in ad revenue. But at the time, it wasn't about the ad revenue. It was about, I was making my money from selling beats. But I felt that if I could create an audience here, it could possibly help in all of my other businesses because of all the value that I am giving one of my biggest videos in the very beginning and it was after doing all these 200 videos was the biggest lie in hip hop and for my level of youtubery at that time it went viral that video got on the radar of the authors of the book that inspired the video to begin with right um and i say that knowing very well that many of you will give up and that's okay. That's okay. That's completely okay. Many of you will give up because you're like, this is not, this is not going anywhere. Cause I wanted to give up. I got to the point where it was like, I, I work sometimes like Forrest Gump runs. (laughs) Remember in the movie when he just, I just keep running. I just keep working. Because I have it in my mind, something feels really right about this. And even if I can't understand it's every inch of DNA, I need to. I need to go with this feeling. It feels right. Go with it. Learn something about it later on in the, in the process. And I kept going. And it really took 200 videos before I could even crack my first video that got to 1,000. And I took that course, uh, that's what I meant to, meant to finish off. I took that course, uh, Video Traffic Academy, and it took me from making $16, 14 15 $16 bucks a month to in a month making 120 One of the things that I love about YouTube, I almost forgot that point, is that you can always go back to your old content and boost the SEO on it, right? Search engine optimization, which is a system by which your videos get discovered keywords, um, your tags, your first two sentences within your YouTube, um, all these things that I did not know affected it. Now I got all these videos that I already did to test out the things that I am learning. I went back, took all that information, boosted my tags, boosted my, and when I say boost, I'm using that loosely. I'm not using that in a, in in a, in a sense of going to Fiverr and getting my stuff boosted. I wanted. I didn't want it if it wasn't real. And I'm still that way. I don't want it if it's not real. And so I learned some things and I applied it and I had videos that were sitting on my channel for a year and might've only had about 140 video, views. All of a sudden I pushed those up into now one of my biggest videos to this day that you'll see is iPhone quality is barely lit. It's nowhere near how we got today It's barely lit. Underexposed like a mug is how to count 16 bars. And if you go into YouTube right now, and you type how to count 16 bars, I guarantee you I'm one of the first three videos on there. How to count 16 bars. How in the hell did I get ranked for that by applying the information that I learned after I did the work? So do the work first. Don't be concerned about who's watching, who's not supporting. Don't be one. Do me a favor and do yourself a favor because this, this is really a favor for your own mental health and your sustainability and for you to always feel strong in this. Do not become one of those creators that say. If you're not supporting me, I can't support you. If you you know what I'm saying, you see me on my grind. And you do not become one of those content creators. It's not good for your mental health because it makes you paranoid of everyone that is around you. And I've been in that situation to where it's like, nah, you can't even show no love to me. And then I start thinking like, this is the kind of conversation that makes people buy into this concept of being slept on. This is what makes people say other people are slept on. No, no, you're not slept on your job's just not done. You're not slept on. So if I find a country in the world, that has, say it's a town within a country that has 175 residents and none of them know who Jay-Z is, is Jay-Z slept on? Because by the logic, if, no, if, 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 if nobody around me knows who you are and they're not supporting you, then you're slept on. How do you explain that? So I don't, I, I don't, I want for you to not only have sustainability from a success standpoint in vanity statistics, views, likes, comments, but I also want you to have a mental strength and stability that is going to carry you through your burnouts because you're going to burn out. Especially when you're putting forth so much energy into your content and you're realizing it's not yielding the same energy that you're putting into it quite yet. And That's fine. That's fine. Know that you must be in robot mode if you're going to be producing content for YouTube. Know that you must come to work. You must show your face, no matter who is there and who is not there. And for those that are there, you treat them like royalty. You respond in a timely manner. When you're in the beginning, you don't have the luxury to be Hollywood. I mean, you should never get into a place where. You become Hollywood. If anything. The closest to that, and I think some people may feel that this is Hollywood on my end. I can care less. Sometimes it's really overwhelming now, and this is a good problem to have. It's rather overwhelming to see all these different comments and knowing that Instagram actually penalizes you for liking too many comments. And they slow you down and they won't allow you to like after a certain number. I think it's 30 or something crazy like that. Knowing that there's wide ranging. Feedback that's in this commentary and knowing that sheesh, man, I I don't know what to say all the time. You know, maybe some emojis, maybe some thank yous and I'm grateful. Sometimes I don't respond back to everyone, but that's that's a good problem. But in the beginning, I responded back to everyone. Now, I wouldn't say every single video, but I was pretty damn good about that. I would dedicate a space of my time to to respond back to comments. And I suggest the same thing for you on those days where you feel like, man, nobody cares. Somebody watched it. Somebody left a comment. Right. If it's the spam ones, you ignore those. But if it's actual people. Because what you got to realize is this. YouTube is its own community. It's not your shared Instagram community, not as a first priority. It's not your shared Twitter community because everybody doesn't have a profile on YouTube that's on Twitter, that's on Instagram. You must treat YouTube like it's its own world. That's why sometimes we have so much fun on this end that the other social medias that I have only get highlights and snippets of it. I don't even go live on IG as much as I used to. Because all the energy is dedicated here, because I treat this community as if it is its own community of people who only use YouTube or primarily use YouTube the same way somebody may primarily use Instagram. So hopefully those are some words of encouragement as you're starting to get on your journey for content creation. If there's some more specific things, you know what to do. Leave that in the commentary. But let's do this. Let's take a quick second. And then we're going to come down to the second half of this, which is the old classic conversation of money, making music for money's sake or making music that has the ability to make money. But before we do that, let's talk to our lovely sponsors, Vaclia Doubler. I'll see you in a second. The Curtis King podcast is proudly sponsored by the Vaclia Doubler. What is the doubler? Well, I think better than telling you, I should show you. Hi. You're trying to tell me I can use this microphone to make beats, to make melodies, to make chord progressions. I can use my voice. I'm all in. Pretty cool, right? Check this out. The Vaclia Doubler represents the future of making music. The Vaclia Doubler is a real-time voice recognition MIDI controller. It offers up a never-before-seen way to translate your musical ideas into reality using the one instrument you've been practicing since birth, your voice. Make more of the music you love without having to worry about how to get your ideas into your DAW. Before the Doubler even sponsored this podcast, I picked it up just because I'm a geek about technology. And I personally picked up the Doubler Studio Kit, which allows you to hum a melody, a synth pattern, or even beatbox one shots right into FPC if you use FL Studio or whatever DAW that you're using. This also allows you to manipulate effects and filters in a way that only the voice can. To get the Studio Doubler Kit, all you got to do is access getdoubler.com forward slash Curtis King. Okay, music producers, thank you, Vaclia Doubler, for sponsoring this podcast. So, the second half of this, which won't be as long as the first one because we talked about many different topics, is a topic I've touched on uh, before. Obviously, especially as I went through my whole transformation into doing the work that I'm doing now. I think there's a lot of folks, especially in this generation of music producers, that have been exposed to so much hustle, so much um, grind, 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 grind content, so much. Never sleep. Sleep is for the weak. It's a cousin of death. You've been exposed to so much of that that it has brainwashed you into believing that the pursuit of money alone or the pursuit of gratification, of awards, the pursuit of validation, from major corporations, big companies, the BETs, the MTVs, they don't really don't. I guess they don't matter as much as they used to. Um, there are a segment of you and you guys don't like me. Oh, I know you don't like me. You, don't, you, you think it's just a bunch of esoteric bullshit of what I'm talking about. And um, you're entitled to whatever opinion you're entitled to uh and actually as uh and I won't even give this person uh the platform but I'll just kind of speak briefly on something that sparked this conversation because I initially wanted to make this podcast all about this topic but then I was like no we we've beat this over the head but there was a question that was asked within my YouTube um that led to me at the end of my stream sharing something about my viewpoint on Should you make beats, whether you're selling beats, whether you're putting beats up for streaming, should you make music for the sake and the sole purpose of making money, right? Should you make the beats that you know are going to make money? Should that be your only focus? And my point of view on it was very simple. I said that this is what's going to happen. From somebody who's made multiple hundred thousand years, hundred thousand years, Multiple hundred thousand dollars in multiple years of selling beats online from the experience of somebody who's actually done it. I'm telling you, my experience was as follows In the beginning, as you transition from whatever situation you're in, let's say it's an impoverished situation where you're not making the money that uh, you're making below thirty thousand, I think is what most psychologists say. It is is, um, that place where you make the biggest shift in your emotion because of money. In the beginning, it's going to be lovely. You are going to finally, you finally sold a beat. Oh my gosh, what's the ceiling on this? You can sell some more beats. Oh my gosh, wait a minute. I might actually be able to do this pretty consistent. Then it starts to happen a little bit more frequently. Then not only does it happen more frequently, you start to think, I think I can quit my job by the end of this year if I keep going this direction. Then you start putting out sound packs, you start doing all this other stuff and you're like, yo, I'm really making it happen. The truth of the matter is this. And most producers who get in this position won't share this with you because they feel like it's going to hurt their brand to not live up to the facade that they're living up to. and or. They never came here to do it for music. They came here to do it strictly for the business end and the marketing end. I'm not mad at them either. They got to get their bread and they got to live their life and do whatever fulfills them. But there was a situation in which I, re- I-, I was on IG and then I released a clip of that question that was asked to me. And I gave that same perspective that you're going to make that money. You're going to feel good in the very beginning. And then it's going to come a point where you say something as simple as, damn, I want to make this type of beat, though. But for some reason, they don't sell. For me, it was West Coast beats. I really wanted to make more West Coast beats. But when your bills are relying upon how well you're selling beats, your risk taking changes a bit. And when your risk taking changes and you don't take as many risks because now you have responsibilities like the home you're staying in that you're selling beats to provide for. Um, it puts you in a, it puts you in a corner to where you may make those West coast beats and those things that may not be as popular as maybe your trap beats, but you know what you need to produce by the end of the week, before you hit that email list and start to present the product that you have available for your customers. And, I got to a point where I found myself clocking in for work. No longer was it me just being a full time producer. I'm clocking in for work so that I can pay my bills. And I found myself listening to albums from artists that I did not like to make beats that I didn't want to make. Right. And as I started to make the beats, I found things about it that I liked and that I grew to like. But for the most part, it's not what I wanted to make. And I felt probably more so out of insecurity and fear, that if I did more of that stuff, uh, it would hurt my pockets. And there were times where I did take that chance. I said, you know what, I'm about to just put out five, six West Coast beats. And yeah, (laughs) didn't go well. So then it puts you in a place where you almost hate this new job that you're checking into, even though it's music. You start to feel differently about music. Why do feelings matter in this situation? Because no matter who you are, how how macho you believe you are and how ind- indestructible you think your mind, all, mind is, your emotional brain is stronger than your, 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 your intellect brain, your, your smart brain. Your emotional brain is stronger. It's the reason why you don't follow through on that diet plan you say you're going to do. It's the reason why you're lazy about the links that you have in your bio. It's the reason why you don't make more content. It's the reason why it's your emotional brain. Ah, I don't want to do that because I don't have the proper equipment. Ah, I don't want to make those beats because, you know, I, I just no. Nah, I'm going to do it next week because I'm waiting on my interface to did it. It's the emotional brain that always wins. You cannot fight it. You can only negotiate with it. And that hustle, grind, 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 grind mentality, that is you trying to fight your emotional brain. Fire with fire, and it does not work. It does not work. Right? That's why temptation exists. That's why you may eat good for a few weeks or a few months or a few days, and then you see your perfect snack weakness. Pop up and you like, damn, but one cookie ain't gonna hurt. And then you go throughout your day ignoring it and then you finally just give in. Your emotional brain is just, just recognize the gangsta of your emotional brain and stop trying to act like you are such an inhumane, I am superhuman. Shut up. Shut up. There's too many folks out there that think that they are the exception to the rule. And the stats show you're not the exception to the rule because everybody thinks they're the exception to the rule. And so. Even our six human needs. The need for certainty, the need for uncertainty, the need for love and affection and uh, uh, the need for significance. Those are primal needs that we all on some level need to feel important, to feel valued, to feel like this life is fulfilled. But those don't give you fulfillment. It's the last two growth and contribution. If you cannot find something that you are contributing to that is bigger than you, if you cannot find something to progressively grow at and you're not actively doing the things to help you grow, you're going to be in a situation in which you're just not going to be fulfilled with your life and you will not be happy. And it's the hardest thing to tell somebody who's got their mind made up and they they, yeah, I, I watched a bunch of different videos and I, this. Is just me. It's just me. I'm different, fam. I'm built different. Shut up. You got four hearts. You got seven ears. You got five butt cheeks. Let me see. You build different. I want to see <laughs> you build different. Shut up. 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 You ain't built different. And. um, I say this to say. Make the music that you want to make and allow the chips to fall where they fall. I'm not telling you to be irresponsible, but I'm telling you if you're doing it solely for money and let's take money out. This is not about anything outside of the fulfillment and sustainability of your music production career. The same way that if you have an injury right now and you you, and and your hands are are giving you pain, emotion will take over and say, "Yeah, we don't, we just don't have it today to make a beat." Respect the gangster of your emotional brain. When it comes to should you make music for the sake of money, or should you make music? that has the ability to make money, one of those requires a certain amount of confidence and belief that things will be all right. Not everybody has that. And I'm getting to a space now where if I can identify that, I won't even argue with you. There's a meme that I love so much. you could tell it's like it's like a it's like a, a, a spiritual teacher who is being questioned by a reporter. And um, the reporter asks, what is the key to eternal happiness? And then the, um, the spiritual teacher says. Not to argue with fools. And then the reporter says, I disagree. And the uh, spiritual teacher says, yes, you are right. <laughs> I'm on that. I'm on that. I'm on that. I don't care what you think might happen. If somebody has already put their feet in the ground and walked that journey and has been around people who have been and still are living in that journey. You ain't going to tell them shit till you live it. You don't live it. You can't tell them nothing. You can't tell me, Jack. If You ain't lived this. You can't tell me, Jack. I'm telling you right now. You're going to get on the other end of this after making your bread, building your empire and realizing that your empire is built on bullshit. You're going to build your empire up. Just to figure out your wife don't love you, (laughs) your dog secretly hates you, is more scared of you. Your kids don't like who you are. They want to be something different because they see that you have no purpose beneath you. You have no soul behind this financial abundance that you have. They'll appreciate you. Don't mean they'll love you. Same way when you make music. You don't have any promises that can be made to you when you make music. Even when you make music for money's sake, you have no promises out there that can say you are guaranteed to make this amount of dollars. Why? Because we can't control why people buy from us. We don't control people. You don't control people. If it feel like I'm turning up, it's because I'm turning up. I've seen some, i seen seen something that, that had me a little bit like, you niggas is crazy. You must not know about me. I got to get this off. I, 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 I got to say what I got to say. It's crazy. It's just crazy that there are folks that are that delusional about this process. So ending this topic, because I've harped on enough. Don't be concerned about those factors that you cannot control. All you can do is what you are best at. You are at your best. In my opinion, this is only opinion. You are at your best when you are doing what you love that also simultaneously fulfills a void and a need in the marketplace. For me, when I first started making beats specifically to sell and lease and license, it was sample-based beats that I was known for. I thought I had to go in there and make trap beats because everybody in the top 30 lists on SoundClick had trap beats. What I didn't know was that there were only a few people like the crates and a few other folks who actually had sample based hip hop that matched the type beats that they were trying to get off the Jay-Z type beats and things like that are the Lupe fiasco beats at that time. And the J Cole beats, the Kendrick Lamar. I found my footing when I say, wait a minute, I've worked with Kendrick. I've worked with Abso. I am fulfilling a void be- based upon what I love to do, which is sampling. So I went in there and I started sampling. I was riding dirty. I was. (laughs) I ain't gonna lie. But I was sampling and doing what I loved. And it wasn't the trap beats. I had the first 15 beats I put up on SoundClick when I first popped off on there was trap beats that nobody wanted. Maybe here and there. The moment I started putting up sample based hip hop, the stuff that I love more than anything else. Bloop, 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 bloop. PayPal notifications going off. Busting out the seams. Crazy. And then from there, I understood where my foundation lied. I understood where my strength lied. I understood that there would be no sustainability if I don't do what I love. And I did that, and then I eventually strayed from it when I started making a whole lot more money. And what I'm trying to say to you is that Do not detach yourself from it, because I believe that is specifically one of the reasons why I'm not selling beats today, especially if you want to sell beats long term and you enjoy this. Make the music that you love first. Right, because it's almost like imagine getting a placement for a beat that you never make that style of music and then it takes off. And now everybody wants you to reduplicate that success because that's how the industry is. They want to reduplicate that success and do their own version of it. Now you're stuck in a box making beats that only show you one side. I remember with Lex Luger, like Lex, the people don't understand Lex Luger's versatility because everybody wanted the same Waka Flocka, the same Rick Ross type beast that, that he was known for, the same, you know what I'm saying? Like they wanted the same vibe over and over again at that time period. My man's made sample based hip hop, some of which you can hear. On Schoolboy Q's album. I think it might have been Habits and, uh, uh, and Contradictions. I forget which one it was. But it's on Schoolboy Q album. Lex on his, uh, on his sample base. But we don't get that part. Because you, it, now the demand is you being in this box. I'm saying you as an independent producer. If the game is going to try to water you down anyways. Don't be watering down water before it gets to them. Come in as pure as possible. Come in doing what you ultimately love to do, what comes easier to you but more difficult than other people. If it's drill beats, it's drill beats, do that. And do it well. Do it often. Get it all out there. It's like producing content to a certain degree. Get it all out there. But don't get in that situation where you're sitting here, and you're like, all right, yeah, let's chase that. Let's chase that. Let's chase that. Because when you chase waves. And there are waves that are extremely trendy and you catch on. That can almost be the best case scenario and worst case scenario, because now you're stuck in that box. Ask the multitude of at the time kids. That were a part of the jerk movement. Who are still trying to detach themselves from that and show that, no, 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 I, I, I actually am a lyricist or I'm actually a hip hop artist. It's a challenging thing to do. And most folks weren't able to detach themselves from it. So I'm saying as you look at these waves and you're finding your footing and you're finding the things that you like, go with what you love first. Because that is going to be your best selling point. That is going to be the thing that a customer says, damn, I know if I go here, bro, going to give me this or sis is going to give me this and they do it so well. If you could be known for one thing, Instead of being trying to be known as the producer that can do everything, you have a better chance of being remembered. But the problem is everybody wants to do everything. Oh, it's, it's all a vibe. It's all a vibe. It's all a vibe. Okay, it's all a vibe until you're forgotten. Because everybody makes their own vibes. But if you can find that thing that you love, and it's going to be something that you love. Because I cannot see myself or anybody else making 400, 500 beats of something that they don't like. Or something they don't love. Love is the the, the secret word on that one. I cannot see that happening. For a long period of time. No matter how successful you are. Because you feel like you're living a facade. You feel like you're not actually doing. What it is you're supposed to do. In terms of your impact as a producer. Those are just a few words from someone who's been there. Quest friends that that are currently in there and doing what they're doing there, uh, and part of the reason why I'm doing the work that I'm doing right now. But I hope you enjoyed this episode today. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Curtis King podcast. Um, yeah, uh, these are my favorite episodes because we get to talk about many different things at the same time. But uh, those are two things that are really three things that are really really on my mind. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode please make sure you give us a five-star rating, right? Leave some commentary, leave some feedback. If you don't agree, I would love to hear your point of view. Am I telling the truth? Yeah, I do I think so on this point. Leave your point of view. Let's see what you gotta say about why money is so important. Um, and, and this is not in no way saying that money is not important. I hope that you understand, I'm stressing the importance that yes, you must become financially abundant, but when external motivators become your only motivators, eventually you will lose connection and have nothing else and no foundation to push you through those days that suck. Because those are the days that build character and those are the days that you become the goat that you were intended to become. Just my point of view on it. For those on the YouTube, make sure that you give us a thumbs up, leave some comments, share it. If it helped you out today, But outside of that, like I always say in this life, you would not be full of life until you decide to live life to its fullest. Once again, it's Curtis King, Curtis King TV, Slap Experts, Beat Timer, which there's a new update. Go to BeatTimer.com. Thank you. See you in a second. Peace.